Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, November 7th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part two of the two part Chepe Space Tokenomic Design Basics. Let's take a listen. What's going on, Seth? Hey, Z, what you doing, man? Dude, I, I'm literally working on this Toyota truck right now and I'm listening to you and it reminded me of Fallout, bro. Like one of the new Fallout games, you yeah, build exactly. a whole freaking city up and then your neighbor can nuke your whole place. Yep, that's the way to do it. So we might be able to have like <laughs> so, person it's just this big video game, and then somebody else pay money to the blockchain to destroy that other person's bank account. Yeah, you know, there's there's this interesting um, concept too. Like I've been dreaming this up a little bit as well. It's like, wait a minute, everyone wants to create some sort of blockchain game. Maybe the fucking blockchain is the game. I mean, maybe the answer is like in exactly what we're talking about. This is how it plays out, and you just make. Uh, the game theory part of the the chain mechanics and then people will create layer two solutions like for example maybe a, a like a um so your blockchain has all these weird like permutations and things you can do and then what happens is um people will come in and build like a game with unreal engine 5 that utilizes the base layer like economic structure and then can incentivize like for example teams to come together as an example in a gaming strategy so that like you know you could do it that way versus you know solutions that could be like bots like so you want to make a system complicated enough with a gaming proof of work where a botnet can't as easily uh, take over you know you, you need humans involved but um although the flip side of that would be ai is coming and mu zero can probably do anything you can do so that, the problem there is like it's going to incentivize AI botnets to to take over that sort of thing. So I don't know how well that would work to to gamify too much. Um, I, I think the the game should almost be like locked into the randomness of the system, and your suffering and your success is all locked into that already, just like it is in real life. Um, you know, if you go to the ocean today, well, guess what? Like I remember going to the like the the south shore of Maui. Like like it's a nice little um nice weather and everything over there it's kind of cool and we went out to like big beach or whatever and at big beach there's like you know we're hanging out like kids are playing in there i got my goggles on i'm floating around in the water looking around it's kind of nice and then like we leave that beach and like two hours later a woman gets her arm taken off i don't remember if you guys heard this on the news like and i'm like oh shit like that's the kind of thing that needs to happen on blockchain it's like whoops like you know your funds aren't that secure right that's that's the idea is like in life you know, most things aren't guaranteed. We expect too many guarantees out of financial systems. And I think if you like expunge that expectation right from the beginning, it might be the basis for a really interesting, uh, like, I don't know, weird financial primitive that prevents certain types of problems from happening by disincentivizing people from showing up. <laughs> like, like maybe nobody uses this thing. I don't know. But I just, I have a feeling that they will. Like, 
today there's like a huge lottery in america i don't know what is it worth now shoot you know what this lottery is it's like my wife's like sending me a message she's like go buy a lottery ticket i'm like we're not going to win 110 billion dollars yeah, it's a, like a hundred and nine yeah. billion or something no it's at 1.9 billion. billion yeah so, so some huge uh jackpot or something some powerball record or some shit and uh, 1.9 billion. yeah so that's the kind of this idea like all these people are showing up to buy this ticket why because the lottery pool has gotten so big like that can be a good mechanism inside of a like a blockchain uh, like so that if you know are if you're not attracting the lottery crowd what are you doing right like why aren't you attracting them <laughs> like you should have a lottery automatically baked in like maybe your yield from your 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 staking yield from your chain uh, a dollar of that or whatever goes into buying you a lottery ticket every day and eventually you might win the lottery or something like that you know so people have done that sort of stuff um we had low terra on terra for example um, but I think you could incorporate that just in the chain itself. Why? Because when you have events happen like that, it creates a lot of meme effects where people post a lot. They create social, you know, social media exposure and everything else. And I think uh, we are not taking advantage of that sufficiently in blockchain space. Like every possible mimetic technique, every possible form of gambling, every possible form of lottery, uh, every form of like randomization, natural destruction, gamification. You can incorporate all into one thing. Could be pretty exciting. I don't know. Be fun. Uh <laughs> so Shrew, would you would you play on that chain? I mean, yeah, I mean the whole thing is like a meme, right? Like so like I think that would also be a big draw to it is like why why else do people get into shit like Doge and, you know, Shiba Inu and, you know, this dog coin or whatever. So like I think some people would just kind of treat it like you know, the lottery, like maybe, maybe I'll throw in a thousand bucks and see, you know, what, what the heck happens. Or, or, or like I said, like someone like me, like I appreciate like, you know, chaos. So like, I would be the guy that's like adding funds, like to the, Hey, let's create a disaster or something like that. Uh, you know, fund. Cause I think that would be like interesting to see how it, how it would play out. So, <laughs> Oh, you're saying like you could basically, uh, Okay, so oh, I get, I like this idea. So you're saying we would have a, f you you could basically stake with a particular like maybe disaster validator, and that validator, if you know maybe gives you like I don't know, uh, maybe less yield. That yield goes to other validators, but if it an, a disaster event is triggered, like I don't know, a tornado. And three door validators get their, you know, yield stolen, then you may get more if, like, you know, if you happen to um, play your cards correctly. So it's like just a gamble that you take just for fun or something, right? Like, it's like a bird in the hand versus three in the bush kind of, the two in the bush kind of a thing. You can, uh, you can make these choices based on your time preference and, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I almost feel like, I mean, the way we're describing it, I almost feel like it just needs to it might as well just be like sim city you know like you choose your coins to buy you know residential or industrial or whatever and then based on like you said like a three token system that kind of separates all of the all the things and just let the game kind of <laughs> just run for eternity um which kind of reminds me of something i read on on linkedin last night i guess there's this ai out here now that they've trained based on these two like I guess really popular, uh, like I think they're you know Russian or or some sort of philosophers or you know brilliant uh, 
philosophical minds and they've trained it to to have a have a debate but the debate is lasting like forever so they just told it to just keep going and so you can go to this website and just listen to these two you know they trained them on their all their works or whatever and it's just these two guys chatting about topics that's just gonna you know go on forever or until you know uh, we get hit with that big solar flare you're talking about but it, it kind of it was giving me those kind of vibes like just this weird ai is now like just having yeah it was it was very debate. similar to the joe rogan ai versus steve jobs ai when i posted right it's yeah yeah yeah. yeah they they trained it on like those two guys and just told it to just talk forever and now it's you know it's the same thing it like sounds like them and and all this jazz and it's just it's just crazy i was listening to it for like a half hour last night and i couldn't like you know, stop. Do you have a link for it? Uh, yeah, I'll see if I can find it. It was on, it was on LinkedIn. Um, and I'll, I'll throw it up top. If I, let me, let me go search for it. That sounds hilarious. Like (laughs) the AI stuff is getting ridiculous too. Yeah. Or, or something weird, like maybe like a, a seven coin system or something, right? You have like, (laughs) like seven different coins, you know, like it's like earth, water, fire or some shit. You create some weird, like replica of nature or something and like you know it's like a paper scissors rock type of fuckery you know like maybe you have the paper scissors rock coin and they just like every day there's some sort of chaos happening <laughs> so are we just talking rug pull Sefi? like how, how can we create the next uh, major rug pull uh like, no no, no. Uh, we were talking about the opposite chugs we were talking about how like no. create a chain no team tokens whatsoever okay just wildly crazy tokenomics of fuckery like you know one day the apy is crazy one day our hurricane comes through and destroys the top three validators. Another day, like that, you know. So it's like it's like one of those old school RPG games where it's like, do you continue? Yes, no. You have to type exactly. it in and then obviously Yeah. <laughs> that would be a pretty cool blockchain. But like, can you imagine like you've got all these tokens and they're worth like millions and you're sitting there like, yes, brilliant. And all of a sudden the next day, like this randomly generated thing, it's oh. The AI tax has come in and takes like ninety nine percent of your money. It's in the guy, shit. <laughs> like, exactly. I, well, it uh, doesn't have to be ninety nine percent, but it's like you know what I mean. Like, there's kind of these... no, but it's there to punish you. Like that ninety nine percent is so you can yeah. keep your one percent and remember what you had and like realize also, that you should have fucking But also benefit now. you too. Like for example, like I don't know. Like imagine uh, you know some people in a big rainstorm you know, might drown and other people, you know, you got more plants or something, you know? So like if, if you, you may like it, if you're, you know, a monsoon, if you, you, you like rice patties or something, but you don't like it if you're get, trying to walk to work and you're getting wet. Right. That kind of thing. Oh, dear God. That, that could be a really cool concept for a game actually. Like maybe imagine, some sub tokens based on a blockchain. Yeah. But imagine Chugs, you don't actually try to, you don't control any of the levers of God or whatever. These things just happen. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Like what, you what get you an AI. Is that you'll have, you'll have a dashboard that says, Holy shit. The APY for such and such is 300% today. Everyone go move your shit to that. Like the water token. Right. And everyone moves over there and like they're trying to farm the, the, the 3000 percent APY for a day or whatever. And then everyone runs the fire token because so like the engagement would be just completely off the charts. Right. Because some fucked up thing is happening every day. It's almost like remember when like last year, if you were playing on Terra, there'd be some new DAP and like or new uh, decks. And it's like, oh, look, the loop token, like, you know, the loop Adam uh, liquidity pool has a 33, like a 30,000% APY today, right? 
so that would be like normal in this setting, but like it would it would keep moving to where you'd have to keep playing the game to get all these benefits, right? So the people that are willing to play the game are going to get all sorts of like uh, like I don't know, it's just constant engagement, and like every morning there'll be certain times, right, where these things change, and then everyone will hop on and go, holy shit. The, the yield for fire token just jumped 3,000% today or something like that. Or, or you're or literally water killing. Token is being burned and turned into fire token today. Fuck, get out of water token or something like that, right? Seth, yeah. you're literally shilling something that could be like the most amazing thing for Luna slash Luna Classic. Like this genuinely yeah, would create so much engagement. Like this, this could be a mobile game and like obviously you need to, I don't know, 10 loot lunk a day to play it or some shit like that. Like, you know, and like... Yeah, it's like waiting for waiting for other people to come in and like, oh, I'm, you know, World of Warcraft is going to incorporate crypto or some shit. That's just pointless, right? Like, you need to have something like yeah. blockchain native. Yeah, like where, yeah, like it's just constant fun. There's something going on every day, right? Oh, mate, you've, you, you, it wouldn't surprise me if Shiba did something like this at some point, to be fair, because obviously they're trying to make themselves like the next Matic, aren't they? Like all the uh, play to earn games and all that sort of thing are, are going on there. So you could probably actually see something like that on Shiba in the next two to three years. That's just a way of like increasing their burn metric. Yeah, who knows? I, yeah, I don't know what the Shiba people are building. Like they're building some gaming shit. They're building a lot of gaming shit. And I think they've got their own metaverse coming out soon. And they've already got the concept art for like a desert like biome sort of thing at the minute. I don't know about the rest, but yeah, no. I've yeah, been following my, my thinking is different. They're just trying to make the Shiba token go up. What I'm saying yeah. is, is like you have a series of like, I don't know. It's like you have a series of like. Well, it's a blockchain, a randomized blockchain is what you're after. And just like, own, yeah, just being on it is just just fuckery, right? Like, like just like besides all the usual price action stuff that you might see on exchanges and stuff. But well, I think it would be like tremendously fun. Unpopular opinion, isn't Quan trying to bring out something to make spinning up like Cosmos chains like so quick and easy? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. like let's say when the, the let's say when January comes out and interchain uh, security is a thing, you could basically take the main chain, let's say whatever your meme coin chain is, and you could create like seven other chains each of which have the coin of like your choice like fire yeah. water whatever the fuck right your little elemental let's just call it that for now and um then like you could basically have the game be like um ibc based so you can just exchange back and forth with the different tokens and things so it's like you you are yeah you could have like it, it could be a really really good demo of like how ibc and interchain security sort of work and it could be like a really fun way to sort of like create a lot, a lot of um, on-chain traffic, right? Yeah. So you would have different chains, like for example, one might be the Firecoin, like let's say Lunk, and its its tokenomic has got burns involved with it or some shit, right? Um, and then you have another one called the Water Chain, and its tokenomic is to be inflationary for whatever reason. Um, and then like you know, so so you have each of the major like uh, tokenomic design concepts, like let's say fixed supply versus um, versus like infinite supply or whatever. And people will, there'll be certain incentives be if it's a fixed supply versus not. And, you know, you would game the system by saying, wait, which of these coins do I want more of and why? Like for whatever short-term versus long-term reasons. 
And so like you have something for everybody essentially, right? Like, but it's, it's custom designed specifically to be gamed with each other. Um, or like if people want to game it with outside resources, that's their business, right? Like what happens if you short this thing outside the, um, like in an, on an outside exchange, for example, what would happen and all that kind of stuff you'd have to think of, right? It's, uh, so, it's chaotic randomness, but it's such a complex, like system that you're trying to think of that. I'm just sitting there going, how would you like be able to spin up seven and like, oh, it, it's yeah. It's. It, you would need to have an AI in there that's pulling in real world data from somewhere and going, right, we can create a scenario with this and then push that out. That'd be the, that'd be the only way to all like it, someone has to be paid like as a, as a full-time job to sit there thinking of like scenarios throughout the fucking day. <laughs> I mean, it'd be yeah, a yeah, cool job. Yeah. You could have a coin, for example, that like uses Oracle data, like for example, um, I don't know, like some meteorologic data, like, you know, if a real world hurricane is emerging, well, then depending on what category hurricane emerges in the world today, it has an effect on the on the system. Uh, so, yeah, it's using a real world Oracle in that instance, like Chainlink or something. Yeah. Fuck me. That's that, that would be such a work of art to like witness being built. Do you know what I mean? It, it, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's it would be such a big project that I, I don't i don't think i'm trying to think like how big of a project would that actually, that would take years to build it would have to take years i don't, to I don't build. think so no, no i don't think so it's like more simple smart contract based things and then a little bit of oracle things you you can randomize stuff um using cosmosm the current iteration so you could have like randomizations like let's say today the firecoins interest rate goes up by 100 percent and tomorrow, based on random generator, it drops to like 1% or something like that, right? So it, it encourages people moving their money all over the place and playing games because you don't know what's going to happen. So like you're, you're you know, and then, you, you know, it's going to incentivize other activities too. Like maybe bots are going to be created because people are going to say, wait, if like I know the parameters of the system, then maybe I can create a bot to sort of like. That's um, the problem there. If you want complete randomness, you need to have someone sitting there consistently updating it, changing it, making complete changes to everything constantly so that once a cycle has been no, hit. You, you just a... have to add the disasters in, Chuck. I was mentioning this earlier. You, you weren't here, but you'd have you'd have natural disasters so that like just simply botting it's not a good idea because, you know, you could wind up with like uh, you could wind up exposing yourself by just chasing the latest yield or something to some like natural disaster that wipes out half your funds or something. Right. So the, you, there are consequences to your actions in a sense. Mm -hmm. And like you, you sort of like make an anti-bot um, like, yeah, you make it credibly crazy enough where bots wouldn't want to, no one would want to create a bot for this almost. Right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I know. Yeah. You could, but you, you could, time. but you wouldn't want to necessarily. Yeah. Cause oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I'm just sitting there like this sounds like very fallouty. Like you've just like thought, what fuck what happens in Fallout? Oh, some random shit consistently. Right, let's just throw it into a blockchain, see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like for example, like let's yeah. say a validator got too big, there's too much money in it, Chugs. It'll automatically like, you know, uh like maybe a tornado comes through and destroys ten percent of that validator's funds or some shit. Right. And then what's the incentive like for that? the what the, what's the incentive for the validator? 
<laughs> if he knows that ten percent of his shit's gonna go, there wouldn't be a well, there wouldn't be a clever validator. That's for sure. It's 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 pure like. Well, the, the the incentive would be to get in as early as possible because a gajillion people play, so it don't ma- these these nuances won't matter in the yeah. long run. But in the short run, it doesn't favor having an ultra centralized validator necessarily. Right? It would, like, it'd so. have to be free though. Like the game would have to be free. There's no you'd have to have an entry point in of like a like a I don't want to say stable coin because it's got so much like <laughs> so so much bad yeah. rhetoric in it like. Another thing is you could create sort of things like maybe you can only buy so much of the token per day and you have to use different Cosmos chain tokens to buy them so that you Mm. like it's harder to bot it. It's also harder to it creates like activity for every chain on the Cosmos. Right. You could do all sorts of shit to increase the the token distribution and like um, you do all sorts of strategies like with interchain security to try to reduce the reliance reliance on like one validator or something. So you try See, to make sure that the validators done. are distributed. We, What's that? We just said nails it on the head. Like you, you need to have like a, well, like you said, you, your entrance fee can only be X amount of coins per day per wallet. And obviously you wouldn't be allowed to trade with other people then. Cause if you could trade with other people, then obviously that's just one way of fucking with the system, by just consistently creating wallets. Yeah. It can, I suppose tax would be good at that point, but like, yeah, you'd have a spotlight day or, or each day on the spotlight, one token can be used to buy even more of the, you know, in-game currency sort of thing or any, you know, the conversion. And you could actually use that as a way of promoting, well, fair volume across the whole of the cosmos. I think like, that's a pretty cool idea. <laughs> the thing is, you'd need someone to build this, Effie. <laughs> You're throwing this amazing idea out. Who could build it? Yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm still working it out. I'm thinking about the... Are, are you genuinely planning this? Because if you're genuinely planning this, like this, this could actually be amazing. Like this could be really amazing. Or here we go. Here we go. We this 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 net could help solve decentralization on other chains because you could you could give people like a protective shield from all this like natural disaster shit if they're doing like specific tasks within other Cosmos blockchains. So like. If you are not delegating to the top 10 on Adam, or if you went and bought some, you know, fucking Juno today or whatever, like you check these like little tasks off and you, you gain like, you know, like almost like a, like a immunity points. (laughs) Yeah. Oh shit. Maybe not immunity, maybe just more resistance. Cause if you, if, if everyone did that and like they, they had like full immunity, the game wouldn't be fun. But if there was still like a chance of, uh, you know, being fucked with, even though you've done these tasks, but it's just less of. Yeah. It really reminds me of like Sim City back in the day where, you know, you build this, you know, awesome city. And then just when like things are going great, like the, you know, the tornado rips through like all of your expensive shit or, uh like i think in one of the games they had like you know the the godzilla monster just like transit through <laughs> your entire city and just, oh god like, that's in city 3000 that was a long time ago yeah. i think it was yeah. yeah jesus dude that was a that was a great freaking game i love that game we're quiet talk <laughs> about chaos um so <laughs> uh my wife's messaging me she's like yeah go buy the powerball whatever the fuck lottery so I bought a hundred bucks worth of this whatever quick pick token, uh, whatever <laughs> tickets. So I'm like, that's the that's the the amount of cash I had sitting on my counter is a hundred dollar bills. So like, fuck it, we're gonna buy lottery tickets with this. 
<laughs> total waste of money, but whatever. We'll see what happens. If you win, Safi, use that to fund the game. Like honestly, just like yeah, make yeah. It if we win, yeah. we're gonna have like yeah, we're gonna have a lot of shenanigans for sure. Like definitely uh, buy like <laughs> buy the game. Like you know, dox Bruce. Like have like ten pictures of Bruce. And, like you know, the winner whoever picks it first wins. Or like five like. Or like I don't know, do like a collage of like loads of like different random pictures with Bruce in there, and it's got to have like a million different pictures in that collage that makes like an AI generated photo. Bruce is in there. Whoever picks that gets a split. So your goal. <laughs> so your goal. So you know, yeah, yeah. Your goal is to win the lottery so you can dox Bruce. That's your whole plan. I would never actually dox Bruce. Like I, I'm, I'm curious to a point about seeing what he looks like. I'd never actually, you know, turn around and put. His... He, he's caused too much shit for that to be safe for him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's uh, he has. He, he's he's such a fucking. I don't know. I, I don't know what the word would be to describe. A hundred million dollars. You're gonna. You're gonna. That. This is the the best you can come up with. <laughs> No, no, I'll do more than that, obviously. But like, I, I just think it'd be a fun game having like one million pictures of random people with Bruce being in there, and whoever guesses the right one out of that million wins. Do you know what I mean? Like, like everyone gets like one guess per. Like, I'd find a way to like limit it out, but I would only say, I, I, you know, what? I wouldn't even give them the money. I'd just turn around and go, yeah, someone's guessed it, and if you guess that you got it right. And, you know, you can show me that you got it right and you've got proof of it. Then, yeah, I'd fuck with people with it. And like they'd guess it was Bruce, but then I'd make them think, is it Bruce? Is it not Bruce? And we take it from there. <laughs> so like the way I would do like a token drop for for a chain, though, like if I was going to like go about um, this in a properly decentralized way is one is there be no like you, you do it with no. VCs, you have no owner tokens whatsoever. In other words, like if you start a chain and you're the one that started it, you don't have any tokens, right? The only alpha you have is that, you know, the timing that this thing is going to be released in a sense. Um, you have some alpha maybe in terms of like how useful do you think this is going to be? And you could throw a bunch of money in it if you wanted to. And you do like a lock drop. Um, have you ever seen a lock drop chugs or any of you guys? Um, have you seen how that works in terms of uh, releasing a, a coin? So what you do is like, let's say uh, you price the coin. So you, a lock drop is where you price the coin at some irrationally high number. So let's say, for example, you start out a token launch and you figure, okay, I'm going to launch this to be worth um, at $100 million, right? So there's a certain number of coins. And you know that the coin is not worth shit, right? It's maybe worth, I don't know. Let's say you think it's worth a million dollars at best or whatever. So what you do is you start the price really high. And then the price will automatically algorithmically start falling uh, lower and lower so that you can acquire the coin as the price falls. That's how a lock drop works. Um, certain projects use this type of strategy to release tokens back um, on Terra. I'm trying to remember which ones. I think White Whale did it as an example. So what the re that's called a fair drop or a lock drop. And what that means is, is that like, Everybody knows in the beginning the coin is overpriced, right? Like you have no obligation to buy it too high, but there's no liquidity in the actual token itself. Like there's no uh, there's no dex, there's no um, there's no trading pair, except for the fact that any uh, like let's say stablecoin you use to buy the um, protocol token basically goes to um, 
like directly to the treasury or whatever, but uh, you don't know how low the price of the token's gonna go. So as the price falls, let's say it starts, the token's price starts at like, I don't know, $100, and then the price drops towards a dollar or something, right? Like it'll have a 99% or more drop. It'll drop until the price finds buyers, and then it'll probably pump, and then you'll have people sell it, obviously, as the price jumps, and then the price will fall again because you know this is just how these things work, right? You'll have the price will flatten out at you're, some point. You're right? you rugged, you rugged for the last like ten seconds. Did I just get? Did I get disconnected? You you keep rugging, dude. Like you keep going all oh, Optimus Prime. I, I think it's because my where I'm in the car. Sorry. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just go back 20 seconds. Oh, sorry. So a lock drop works because the price of the token when you release it is way higher than it should be, right? So you might start at $100 and maybe the fair price is a dollar. So the price will keep falling algorithmically for, let's say, I don't know, like three or four days, right? And people can buy the token um, any point that they want that they think the price is fair. You understand how it works? Yeah, so like a bar system. What's that? Like a barter system, like you, you pay what you think it's worth, like, you know, obviously. Yeah, you know, and then it keeps falling until it doesn't, because at some point the, the price discovery to the downside will result in like, you know, everyone that wants the coin will get it at whatever low price they want it at. So that's how a lock drop works. So like, yeah, if I was going to release a coin, you'd be doing that. And any money I wanted to put into the system, like let's say I wanted to spend a million bucks on this coin, then I would... Uh, do so based on what I think like I can afford, but me, the creator of the token, I would not get any advantages versus anybody else in a lock drop, right? You see what I'm saying? So then, 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 then whatever funds that you get from this system, like let's say, for example, you take Atom tokens or something for this, then what you would do is you could create a system where that is also distributed entirely to the, um, like, you could have that distributed, for example, into a treasury, or you could have the entire thing distributed back into the token holders, actually, interestingly enough. And you would just simply get your money back uh, proportional to the number of tokens that you have of that, of that particular project, right? So basically a total fair drop, zero profit whatsoever, right? And the, the only um, like uh, incentive the owner of the token has to do this is that like they know this thing's gonna fucking moon because the the project is really interesting, right? So they're the, like compared to the rest of the planet, they're still gonna be able to get in relatively early, even though they have to buy the coin themselves. So there's no securities law violations. There's no uh, there's no worries about SEC and this and that and other bullshit. There's no uh, legal ramifications, and you know nobody's being forced to buy it or anything like that, right? So that's that's how you would launch a project essentially fairly as a lock drop, I think. And like, if you had a multi-coin system, like I mentioned, like where you gamify all these chains, it'd be like a game of chains kind of concept where like, you know, like periodically a dragon flies through and burns half your tokens or something. Um, and and well, that would even, be a really fun, fun game. You can, even make the, you can even make the fair drop chaos by the money that you invest. You don't know which of the seven tokens you're getting or which combination you're getting and then obviously at launch like they would all be different values to start oh yeah that could be interesting because maybe what happens then is if you have seven different chains right or something like that 
you would create a scenario where like the validators don't know where to put most of their uh, resources, right? So it, yeah, that could be interesting. Um, it, it, it creates a system where like the, um, like even the start of the game, like even the validators don't know what thing to support the most. I think that would be cool. Yeah, like I think when people think of community, right, they say to themselves, hey, I want to be part of a community chain. I want to be part of, um, you know, whatever. Like, I think what they mean is they don't want someone to centrally control the thing. I think they want, uh, like, you know, the, the, the most common complaint is, oh, look, these people are centralized. They have this committee. They're going to decide where the money goes and the treasury and this and that and the other thing. I think you just have the game decide this stuff. And like do all the interesting things and you make it essentially immutable. There's no governance after the fact if the, and, and then you make sure that the game parameters are really clean and simple. Um, and you have to, of course, play out the, you have to game, you have to play out as much of the game theory in everybody's head. You get a bunch of like famous chess players and shit to play this out. And you say like, how do you, how would you mess with this system? And like, how would you put like checks and balances in? to prevent like any one uh, faction or whatever from getting too powerful. It'd be no different than designing like PVP characters on like a, like, you know, Diablo three or something like that, or, um, you know, where you have to make sure there's like a game balance involved to make it fun. But outside of that, like, yeah, sure. You could, you could, you know, be in whichever faction you want and you could have whichever coin you want. Um, and each of them has like, you know, interesting that properties, is. or you, maybe you want make like multiple happen make this happen <laughs> make this happen like, honestly, i would invest just for the shit to get even if i didn't think i was gonna make money from this i would probably put like 50 to 100 bucks in it just at the start just to see what the fuck is gonna happen because like yeah, the whole yeah. idea of this is amazing like you know that, 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 make it happen Sefi. make it happen yeah so i'm like uh, well i'm just talking it out because i want to like you know we were talking about tokenomics earlier today i was just you know since we're on this dream i've, I've been thinking about these ideas like the, these like uh like programmatic disasters and like absolute um i don't know like how do you get to the most credible most like craziest decentralization uh and how do you engineer that so that it happens with a high degree of certainty um and on top of that take into all the mimetic effects of the meme coins and on top of that take all of the benefits of like either fixed supply or deflationary coins to where like, if you had a basket of these things, the probability is you're gonna have a store of value. Um, so like, uh, so whereas UST was the primary product of Luna, the primary product of like this would be, I don't know, maybe the entertainment or the, the credible decentralization or something like that. And so it has a different product and that product has a cost and that cost is borne by the users of the network, similar to how like, you know, UST, what was the cost? It was burning luna right that was the way to mint it so similarly it'd be like that in this case so something along those lines uh yeah figuring out how to create a like a store of value within that chaos right um maybe there's an etf token of the seven cha seven ch chains or whatever so if you didn't want the risk of uh like any one you know like individual coin or something you'd get an etf of the seven coins and um you know and they're like, <laughs> like and there you, you create a whole astrology around it too. Like maybe like, uh, you know, you create like a funny little, uh, game where, you know, it's like, uh, you know how astrologers have their, and their like, tarot card readers have their little, you know, games that they play, like have something like that around this where like, 
you know, maybe if you had these two plus that, it has certain, you know, defense against the other one. Like, right? like what Shoot was saying earlier. Like a like, Pokemon uh, type of thing. Yeah. Well, Shoot was saying earlier, like you could uh, use little, have like a little checklist of tasks that could help protect you from these like natural disasters, but obviously not fully protect you, but like, you know, have some sort of like resistance to them. So like a hurricane's coming, uh, you know, you've got a house. But you, you manage to have a shelter, uh, but because you've invested in, uh, let's just say, Kuji or Atom, and you've got both of them sitting with you, all of your valuables are actually stored in the shed. So although you've lost your house, you've kept 90% of your wealth. That's that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could actually... Um, hold on a second. got to close my garage door here. One second. <laughs> I hope you turn the car off, mate. We don't yeah, need you, can do, picture, yeah right? you can do interesting things. Like, uh, for example... Let's say you wanted to incentivize participation on other chains, like create like a ad network sort of thing. You could say, yeah, like if you have Kuji tokens in your wallet, then, you know, you, you qualify for a certain amount of it, it rewards defense or something like that. So then and then the Kuji chain would like return the favor by paying you something or maybe. You know, so like you could make arrangements with other chains if you thought you could create a network effect with lots of other blockchains. Really interesting. Like, I don't know, it's like a multi-level marketing type of idea, sort of, where you have incentivized rewards for doing stuff on other chains and stuff like that. Yeah, you could do weird things. Um, you know, and then, of course, like there's the whole, the, the, the other layer of all of this is the, the NFT layer. And, um, you know, like, one of the things that you could do is um, you, you want NFTs with strong metadata capabilities and you want NFTs that have the ability to, to contain transactional information like prior buys and sells. Like it's the argument that, that's being had in NFTs right now where like marketplaces are taking royalties and stuff like that and they're not giving them to the, to the um, they're not giving royalties to the um, artists there because I don't know, it just the marketing doesn't make sense. So the chain itself would take care of royalties where if like um, an NFT is sold on chain, then that transaction or movement in wallet or whatever automatically has a fee associated with it, which gets paid out in royalties, something like that. Maybe so just a bit, a bit like what uh, thing he's trying to do, uh, Luna V, is it Luna? yeah, it's Luna V shape. What he's trying to do with his platform, where obviously the artists will automatically get royalties, whereas there's like a one time fee on the marketplace or something like that. Yeah, well, in this case, the marketplace wouldn't even be the one handling the fees, that would have the blockchain itself would take care of that. The marketplace basically charges a fee just for the sale on the marketplace. But if I were to sell an NFT directly to you, um, you know, using the like NFT exchange module or whatever, the only way to transfer the NFT would be to go through that module. And if you pay any money for it, then that would automatically result in loyal royalties for that transaction. Does that make sense? Like there would be yeah, actually, yeah, transfer of NFTs would only be possible through that only that mechanism, and therefore. Um, therefore, like there's an automatic royalty associated with it. So anyway, but if you do all of those things, right, you have the proper NFT platform baked into this system, then you could incorporate NFTs into the game in a meaningful way. Um, and yeah, you could do other interesting things with the, with the, uh, like, yeah, you, you could have it, you could, it, yeah, building this out is a fairly complicated, like, it's like almost yeah. Like, you're you're starting a, to realize like how game. complex you're making it now, aren't you? <laughs> like, yeah, it depends on how many things you but also remember, think about it this way. Okay, like the ocean is a complicated thing, right? 
it gets cold, it gets hot, you get waves, you get big waves, you get sometimes it's flat, sometimes you have a lightning hit it, right? But there's certain amount of certain enough predictability about the ocean that you can play like water sports on it, right? You can go out there and you can surf, you can uh, like maybe go fishing or go on a boat or something, right? So you have different properties of the ocean that are predictable to the extent that you can build boats, you can build sports around it, et cetera. So that, that's the idea, right? Like it's, you, you don't, you, you make the base project this like, like chaotic place like the ocean. And then you, or like, you know, or like, I don't know, the earth kind of chaotic, but within certain constraints. And then you can build interesting things on top of that to take advantage of those, like those events. And like, you, you know, that's where, that's where the, the dApps and everything be very, very different uh, in this instance versus like any other blockchain. Does that make sense? Like you would take advantage I, I of the features of say, the yeah. Yeah. But you would need a big team of builders to be able to pull that off. <laughs> like a big team of builders. I don't know. I don't, I'm not so sure that's the case. Like, I don't think I'm saying anything ex- really, really extraordinary. Like it's not. It's, it's not that. It's, you've got to think about how much would have to go into this. Like there's a lot. You obviously you can randomize as much as you like, but you still need the smart contracts to detail what's yeah. being randomized, how it's being randomized, of where course. it's being randomized, and that that's where the work comes into it. And then obviously you need people to proof it. You need people to go. Can yeah. this be exploited? You, got, you have that, to have like, some like little math freaks to kind of make sure that like you know things don't get out of hand. <laughs> like you know you got to get. Maybe, yeah. Maybe if Lunk fails, EDK will uh, will take you up on this project, and he'll uh, he'll be the guy. Hopefully, yeah. obviously, I, Imagine, I don't want Lunk to fail. But you'd want every one of these chains to have their own coin, not a token, right? Token, yeah. like like a co- token that you release on one blockchain. It's like a layer two type solution, or like a, a, a token on that network. This would be like each chain, like all seven chains, uh, uh, have their own like consumer chain and their own coin. And the reason for that is because when these things become popular, you want them to be able to be released as coins on any, uh, you, you want to be able to like have them available on centralized exchanges and everything else, right? So you'd want to have all of them possible to deploy somewhere if you wanted to separately with no hindrances of one or the other. And uh, yeah, like one of, the, one of the issues, like for example, with Cosmos, we were just talking about tokens, token design is we don't have our, really, really solid, like fixed supply, non-governance, immutable Bitcoin. Like we don't have that in the cosmos. And even if we did, we don't have a good way to decentralize it where certain networks, uh, like for example, it's going to just become like Atom where Coinbase, you know, owns like the biggest validator and like the top 10 validators are way too big and this type of shit. So the reason I'm even, I even brought this up is if you gamify this, you know, to an extent, you can have like certain coins that are much more useful as store of value, certain coins that are much more like yield bearing, certain coins that maybe like have a burn mechanism, right? And when you have this mixture of things, you can create all sorts of fun financial primitives that are like, you know, interactions between these different things. And um, yeah, like it's, it's everything we saw when it comes to like using like Anchor Borrow, for example, on Terra and, um, you know, using leverage and things. But uh take all of those little elements that made DeFi and different things fun, like prison protocol or whatever, and wrap them all into one big package and uh, have like a series of coins that go with it. And like, you know, like get, get, uh, you know, and, and maybe you could do something like nutty or something like maybe, I don't know, 
like use some existing mythology like astrology or some shit right and then now all the astrology freaks i've already got it mate we get stellar prism on it and uh he can can, it'll be it wouldn't be astrology it'd be truths it'd be his truths yeah it'd be like like the nine planets or the greek gods or some shit like the venus chain you got the zeus chain and whatever right and everyone's Stella from Jane. <laughs> he just sits there <laughs> talking shit about Lungdao and like every time you get a coin, he uh, or, or yeah, a coin, it gives you a new fact about how Lungdao and Terror Rebels are corrupt. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you you actually incentivize like something, some weird shit too. Like, for example, let's say um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to be able to incentivize like tweets about the chain. Like, imagine if you can prove. Uh, that like your account on Twitter is connected to whatever, and you, you know it's you can prove that you posted something about the fire chain or whatever. Then now all of a sudden like you'd get like some of the inflationary rewards directed to you. Uh, well, just be like, a, you just have to do a hashtag, wouldn't you? And like it's hashtag like this, yeah, or something, some sort of like you know automatic shield payment type of thing too, <laughs> so that advertising is decentralized as well. Because that's another problem, by the way. One of the big issues that after Bitcoin was like any sufficiently um, any blockchain that can become sufficiently powerful becomes not only automatically centralized in governance and in um, in teams that run it, but also it becomes centralized from the perspective of like the like who actually advertises this thing. And usually like the, the farther away you got from Bitcoin and Ethereum the more marketing money it takes to actually um, like advertise your thing, which is a source of centralization. So like you, you would have to figure out how this system would decentralize advertisement or decentralized shilling to, for the lack of a better term, like you need to get the word out and you need to get it to as many people on the planet and distribute it as far as possible. How do you do this in a viral manner while um, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm, yeah it's it's like this is a problem that needs solving in crypto it's not just like oh look it's a video game uh Ah, these are these are serious problems yeah a bank code associated with a web link associated with a wallet associated with obviously the person's wallet so you would have to go out you'd have to make your own poster put your barcode on there print it off spread the news and then when people scan it with their phones it would obviously direct them to i don't know like a kepler or I don't know, other wallets like referral link. And then obviously when that happens, everything can be tracked back to the original host of obviously whoever had the barcode initially. Yeah, That's well, one of the things thing. I know that the ter- the Terra, uh, the Luna project right now, the TFL stuff that they're doing, one of the projects they're working on is this idea of geolocation related rewards. So that if you do a specific task at a specific location, think about like Pokemon Go, that you could actually acquire some rewards as a result of these tasks. And, and that may be a way to incorporate certain real world marketing advertisement or whatever. So that, um, yeah, so there, there's some interesting things uh, that they're working on. I don't know how to incorporate it in such a way that you can't like, like cheat the system, whatever that that's an important uh, thing they have to solve, I guess, but we'll see. Um, yeah. There, there's probably ways to, like make sure that there's proof that you are somewhere that you say you are beside your phone or something like that. Well, it's landmarks. It all has to be done with actual landmarks. And uh, obviously you'd have to find a way to interact with the landmark that can't be spoofed. Right. Exactly. It's almost like, it's almost like when you kidnap someone, you show a newspaper with the date on it. 
right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something like that has to be incorporated to make sure no one cheats those type of systems. But that is something that on the one of that is one of the projects on the T, the TFL is doing for Terra too right now, which is super. Um, yeah. So there's like a half dozen projects that they're working on actually, or more, I think like a dozen of them. So they're, they're really working hard too, but yeah, like maybe like a project like this could be built even on top of Terra, for example, like, so Terra V2, like why bother creating a whole new thing when there's a Luna community and the Luna classic community already there, you can just spin up um, like daughter chains on like Terra V1, for example, and it'd be very inexpensive to spin up a cool like multi-coin uh like multi-chain system with interchain security um so yeah these things chugs may not be as hard as they sound anymore because the technologies that are emerging next year for january uh february like that time frame is going to allow us to easily spin up blockchains and yeah. as a result like create all sorts of interesting new fun <laughs> like, before, before i head off because it is getting quite late and i've got work in the morning What's actually going on with this Atom 2.0 and Duquan Feather? Like I, I've tried to follow it, but every single time I type in uh, fucking TFL Feather, it gives me like fucking London Underground pigeon feathers like on the on the tube. I can't find anything proper about it. Um, yeah, Atom 2.0 is trying to um, uh, create new ways to accrue value and promote people using interchain security, which is to, to spin up consumer chains. Uh, so entire blockchains that are uh, using the validator, existing validator network of Atom, but adding some interesting elements in there where the Atom token gets some value accrual, but that also makes it cheaper for new chains to uh, come into existence. So instead of like the new norm in Cosmos will be instead of people starting decentralized applications, a new application would just simply start a new chain. That's the big difference. Does that make sense? So yeah. that same concept, um, like on Terra V2, is what Do Kwan is trying to promote. And Feather is this idea that, well, the problem with Cosmos is not so much that we will be able to print up these new you know, consumer chains, new, new blockchains easily using the existing validator networks. The problem is, is that the documentation and the like uh, websites needed to quickly spin up your own chain don't exist, right? So like, imagine the game I just talked about. Imagine, Chugs, if you could go sit at your computer for an evening and then just like put a, push a bunch of buttons, put in the pr governance, you know, parameters and X, Y, and Z, Everything's kind of either drag and drop or just like, you know, drag down boxes and shit like, you know, like you do anything in life, maybe like similar to how you make a Word document and uh, and all the details you punch in. And now, voila, you have your own blockchain, right? Like that's the idea. So Feather will allow you to create um, uh, easy consumer chains with all the documentation, all of the buttons being easy to push. In other words, making it light as a feather or, you know, as easy as lifting a feather. Yeah, thought is the idea behind the uh, Feather project. So it's kind of like a competitor in a way to the Cosmos Hub's interpretation of the same thing. Um, so yeah, that's that's the idea here. Is that um, like Doe's creating one version of this? Atom two point is another version, and then Osmosis is looking at something called mesh security for creating more chains, which is a slightly different thing. So I think all of these can thrive together. 
which is good. Like decentralization means decentralized technologies too. Like you don't want the same tech and the same idea, like, you know, uh, being the only thing. It's good to have multiple different things simultaneously. And uh, it's good for the cosmos because then you'll have like, you know, businesses that want to spin up new blockchains can do so in either of these networks, depending what they what they feel more comfortable with, right? That's which is cool. Doesn't that just oversaturate Cosmos though? Like, uh, it's okay. I understand. No, so you want to think of Cosmos like the internet, right? Like, it's a long way to go, kind of a thing, right? Like, we, yeah, uh, but there's a big difference. The internet was one of its; it was original, whereas the Cosmos, yeah, all right, it is an original concept, but there are tens of hundreds of blockchains out there that, like, yeah. you know, anyone can go and use, and that's that's with, the difference. With the shared security model, Chugs, you could have your own personal blockchain. So think what, the fuck about am I gonna do? what the fuck am I going to do with my own blockchain? Seth? I have like, no idea. You... Maybe like put like how many reps of whatever the fuck you did today. I don't know. But the point is, <laughs> you could if you wanted to. That's what's going to be possible with the Cosmos. And t- Terra Feather, the entire concept is make that so easy as to commoditize blockchains into oblivion. So what a lot of people don't understand about Cosmos is, is that actually it could cause a substantial number of blockchains to just become completely irrelevant only because it's so cheap to spin up a blockchain that everything else goes to zero, right? Like it's like an interesting, so ultimately if you look at say, for example, the internet today, right? Where is most of the money made? Is the money made by running, I don't know, like a, like an email server? No. Is it made by running like a node on Napster or like not Napster, but what is it called? Like BitTorrent? No. Where the money's made is like companies like Apple, you know, companies like, I don't know, um, Google or Amazon or Google or whatever that provide a lot of the services. So the app chain model would argue that like the core um, technology, i.e. blockchain, is not where the money's made. Consumers come for a service. They don't come to just for a decentralized ledger. You have to produce something like either entertainment or some kind of data storage service or something. And that's going to be where the money's made. And this is the app chain thesis that like, um, you know, if you can spin up an app chain just by snapping your fingers and you can horizontally scale it using um, consumer chains, which is basically the same validator set, but you can make a string of chains as long as you want, as many as you want, then what happens is, is that transactional speeds or block time becomes extraordinarily cheap. And this would be the bear case for, by the way, a significant number of networks that don't that have like more expensive fee structures, um, which is why some chains have gone the route of like almost a zero fee structure, like the chain itself, like how it makes money is not even entirely clear a lot of times. So this is the the interesting future that this is going towards. It's becoming very commoditized. Like so for, for example, is- Apple Apple makes way more money than AT and T even though like Apple's running on AT&T networks for their, you know, like, or Verizon network or something like that. Right. So you see the difference, like, so the, 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 the chains themselves may not be worth something. It's the services on those chains that are going to really make all the money probably. So basically what you're saying is all this could actually lead to Ethereum fees being, you know, <laughs> manageable and not ridiculously high. Well, they're already manageable because you have like Polygon and Arbitrum and all these like layer two things. So they've that's come down either way. Um, yeah, block block times are becoming really quite cheap, relatively speaking, already. Um, whether it's Cosmos, whether it's like layer twos on Ethereum or whatever. So yeah, interesting stuff is going on. But yeah, I think uh, the the real uh, game here is actually probably in creating 
some interesting projects as opposed to necessarily like speculating on and praying to God that whoever makes one and it goes up or whatever, like at some level, it's going to make sense to sort of like get in early on a fresh project or create one yourself. Um, could, could be much more interesting to like, so I've been thinking about this a lot. It was just kind of like, I don't know, like there's certainly uh, brighter minds in blockchain uh, for sure. Like I, I'm, I'm like more superficial. I have some idea of what I want to see, um, but I don't know exactly like, the consequence of implementing certain pieces of it, right? Because remember, like uh, the blockchains are built for different reasons, right? Financial security has to be maintained. Um, the the validators have to do their work, right? Uh, there um, are different types of attacks, like Sybil attacks, DDoS attacks, and different like. So yeah, there's a lot of vulnerabilities that there's a reason why chains are designed the way they are today. Um, so I'm not saying we need to completely reinvent that wheel. I do think we need to make um, some advancements in how we promote like uh, randomization and decentralization, um, how we make sure that like one validator is not way more powerful than the, like the top ones, not so much more powerful than the bottom one, right? All those kinds of things. Um, and, uh, and also like, how do you create maybe a, a sequence of coins that are investable that people are willing to put their money in and store their money there because they believe that if you wait 20 years, the thing is not going to be ultra centralized. It's actually going to get more decentralized with time. And that's a very hard problem to solve. And nobody solved it really. Like most uh, technology things become more centralized with time. And like, how do we fix that? Like, what is the solution? Nobody's been able to solve it. And, and I think Satoshi couldn't solve it either, which is like why um, ultimately Bitcoin did not include um yeah it it didn't include too much um like governance and it didn't include like a comprehensive smart contract platform because it couldn't be figured out but i don't know i think people that are in the game space those geniuses like i don't know people that work it on a blizzard or some shit like they're probably the ones that have the the technical understanding to balance out a real world system like this maybe even more so than the quantitative traders and the um, like economics people. Uh, I have this, my intuition after having played games so many years and seeing some of the early ones um, emerge and like the kind of ways that we sort of like uh, exploited those systems like early days, um, like a lot of that um, same ideas go into like general software engineering, but they also go into like the, the analysis of crypto related problems, um, attack vectors, defensive tactics and everything else. Um, but yeah, I, maybe it, it, this could be a pretty educational project to do. I don't know. We'll see. I'll have to sit well, down, like write out like how this works, you know, like it'll, it'll, <laughs> and, and then figure out how to like get someone to make it. Well, on that note, dude, it has genuinely been interesting. I'm going to head off because it's almost midnight and I need to get some sleep. I need to, find out, to, when, I need to uh, find out when this lottery is going to like, uh, I need to check all these numbers. Uh, mate, I hope you're playing the London lottery <laughs> before I go. Like an idiot, I bought like $100 worth of lottery tickets. We'll see what happens. Have you, have you been playing the Lunk lottery, Steffi? That's the important one right there. The Terror Rebels one. The Lunk lottery? Surely um, you know about the Lunk lottery. I've only been shilling it for like fucking ages. What does the Lunk lottery do? Tell me. It, it's literally just a lottery ticket. You spend 5,000 lunk. It's run by Terror Rebels. And, uh, yeah, uh, you get 60% of the pot 
25% goes towards burning and there's some like other breakdowns that go towards the team and stuff like that. But yeah, no, it's run by Terra Rebels on the website. Hmm. Interesting. Well, the cash value, I, I, I'm going to have to like calculate this, but the cash out value option is $929 million on this lottery, which is funny. Uh, th that's the cash option is close to a billion. Not bad. What's I mean, <laughs> half that gets taxed, right? <laughs> so it's close to like half a million, uh, half a billion. Yeah, well. I mean, it's still nice money. There, I'm not, I'm not that. Money. <laughs> it's, it's funny how the first thing anyone thinks about in the lottery is worried about paying the taxes, like as if you're going to win. It's like, let's calculate out my taxes. Let's see what the ramifications are. Let's plug this into TurboTax and figure out like, wait a minute, what am I, you know, like, what am I really taking home here? Am I making a good choice putting $100 of lottery tickets with that much of tax, you know? Just to, just to go to show how much we hate the tax, man, right? <laughs> it's like you're already, it's like we're counting our chickens here before they even hatch, so... Um, well, I'm genuine. I, I have to go now, so I will catch you later, yeah, dude. Yeah. Space. Okay, See you guys later. Bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Shroot and and uh, like Quimmer, did you guys take notes? Are we gonna are we gonna make this or what? <laughs> yo, uh, yo, actually, I was taking it here, uh, although. Um, I'm the content writer to a particular project, and uh, they're doing this. No, I won't say the same thing particularly. They're also looking for a way to make sure that the um, tokenomics obviously like meets the people. Um, because um, the idea the CEO told me was it was like BTC was meant to be for the people, but the people lost that chance, and then the big guys with the big money bought into BTC, and now we are left with BTC at 19. Does, which is what an average common man can't afford. So then what is the centralization? And then blockchain hasn't filled But, Quimmer, that but with Bitcoin though, Quimmer, um, the point is you're, you're not, in, you don't have to buy one Bitcoin. That's not the whole point of it, right? You can buy fractional amounts. Okay. Right? Now the question is this. Um, okay. Um, Bitcoin is no, not what, what makes right? it What makes a coin sort of a, like a people coin, if, if anything, is there's no centralized okay. company. There's no centralized governance. There's no one that oh, can take okay. your money away. But there's nothing specific about sure? the price that's guaranteed for anybody, not with Bitcoin or anything else, right? No, so. you said there's no there's no government. Um, I think USC actually um gives about uh, I think thirty something percent ash rate to the um ash power. No, they give about thirty something percent ash power to the ash rate right mm -hmm. now. USC is topping the lead. Mm -hmm. And then what happens when they say they don't want BTC again? Or what happens when um the SSC says okay, it's not um uh it's not esg compliance do you get it what happens when black hole comes to see that is it really decentralized is, there, is yeah. the question china oh, you, you mean if if like some of the miners go offline or something yeah if top five countries decide that btc they don't want it again what do you think happens uh well i guess they can they can force shutting okay. things down but what will happen is is that you can the 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 cost to mine goes down dramatically. Uh, I'm sorry, the hash rate as it falls, right? The rewards increase. So the probability that individuals will start mining it as opposed to sort of like mining institutions will increase. So actually, the oh. if if there's a central attack. So what about the Bitcoin you've yeah. mined as a miner? You are a common man. You are a man, right? You make money from your job because you have to feed your family, right? So what happens to the Bitcoin you have mined? Won't you sell it one day? Yeah, it'll still be there. Yeah, you can mine it. You can you can sell it. Yeah, what's or you could just okay. simply spend with it directly. I suppose. Okay, then if you spend it directly, you would obviously be eating a tax. It's seen as a property, as a commodity. Do you get it? 
you will be yeah, huge. Yeah. It's, a, it's a commodity, but you would, yeah, you would be taxed for capital gains in most jurisdictions if you sold. Okay. Yeah. So, for example, if I mine Bitcoin, the taxes are different than if I uh, like buy it and the price goes up. So, let me give you an example. If I buy a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin in the United States and it goes up to two thousand dollars, then that one thousand dollars extra that I made is taxed as capital gains, and then I have to pay my tax rate, which is running like I don't know. Let's say forty percent. So I would pay, um, you know, four hundred dollars of that in tax. I'd keep six hundred, and um, now I have like a total of sixteen hundred dollars from the um, you know thousand dollars initial capital that I put in, in dollars terms. Right? That'd be an example. On the other hand, if I mine Bitcoin, it's different. So if I mine Bitcoin, if I buy, let's say, just for making the math easy, let's say I buy a mining device for a thousand dollars, and I create $1,000 worth of Bitcoin with that mining device. So I have an expense of $1,000, which I can depreciate over five years as a business. And I have, this, this is how it works in the United States. And then I have the, the, the income from the BTC itself, which constitutes income. And I have to pay the tax on the entirety of the new Bitcoin that's mine. And I have to pay income taxes on in theory, on my mind, Bitcoin. That's if you did everything perfectly and legally. So let's say I printed $1,000 worth of BTC, that would constitute $1,000 worth of income. And if my income tax rate is, let's say, I don't know, 40%, then I would have to pay $400 in tax on that income. That would be how that works. So income, but the difference is on income, I can expense the cost of the mining device. Um, I, can, I can deduct the cost of the mining devices from my income before I pay taxes, that's the difference. So if like I mined one Bitcoin, but it cost me, I don't know, let's say it cost me $800 to mine it, so I only made $200, right? Then I could, you know, uh, I would only get taxed on the $200 gain, not on the um, full revenue that I made. Like you don't get taxed on the revenue, you get taxed on the profit minus, you know, so that would be revenue minus expenses would give you a profit. That's how that would work. So um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. but to let me, let me ask a yeah. question. Let me let me ask a question, right? Um, when we're talking about money, right? Um, the idea is number one to be a store of value over time. That is one. Then the second idea is to be a medium of exchange globally, right? That is the real true value of money. Yeah. Look at good for example, right now. Aside from good being a store of value, gold is obviously used in phones and chips. Gold is used as um as um or um, like say accessories. You get it. People get to utilize gold in real life utility. Is what makes gold valuable and is low supply. I don't know if you guess what is Bitcoin's utility exactly, and does it reduce the supply? No, the supply is based on yeah, demand. The, the Bitcoin's right? main main thing is it 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 doesn't cost you anything personally to store it. That's one. So gold, you have to actually pay money to store the thing, right? You have to put it in a building, you have to lock it up, you have to secure it, you have to put it in a vault or something, or it could be stolen. So one feature of Bitcoin of utility is security. The other feature of Bitcoin um, technically is its um, transmissibility. So for example, if you're on the moon and I'm on the earth, I could transmit a Bitcoin to you no problem using a, like a radio transmitter, right? On the other hand, if you are in, like, so I can basically send you, right? Pretty easily, I could send you Bitcoin that way. On the other hand, if you are, uh, if you have gold, it cannot be transmitted to the moon. Um, so that would be the, so the speed of light is a limiting factor for transmission right now of a BTC. And that's a utility as well. So tr transmissibility is one of the weaknesses of BTC. I mean, I'm sorry, gold, which is why 
paper money was created on top of gold in order to be able to like transact so that like let's say you had a ton of gold you're not walking around the city with your ton of gold you put it in a bank that bank stores it they give you a piece of paper that says you own a certain amount of gold you go to the merchant you give him this piece of paper that um that's how you transact okay um i, I like what you just said right now no you just spoke about fiat gold and bitcoin right now um bitcoin was created obviously because of inflation right to perfect uh let's just say to to perfect the idea of money right then um it's not backed by anything and the only utility you give right now is for the fact that it is um easily transmissible right uh, um, you can easily like um, send it to someone let me use the english i understand better you, get, you can send it to someone it's the only utility right does that now make bitcoin a real store of value to me i don't see bitcoin exactly exactly a store of value yet until it is utilized it is not being utilized right and people are just throwing it everyone would sell one day it's what happens in the market the market has its own um should i say bull and its own beer beer is when i need money i need to sell my assets to make money do you get it so bitcoin now so if it's based just solely on demand and there is no utility outside that then I think it's wrong. I think the best form of money is when you have fiat backed by something that is fixed. Then whatever you print out or whatever you do is based on what that asset is backed yeah. by. Yeah, so Grimmer, the, uh, the, the feature of Bitcoin to understand um, is that it's A, verifiably scarce, right? So you can check the code to make sure that, you know, 22 million are not being printed. You cannot do this with fiat. So the problem with fiat has always been that the incentive for governments is to, even if they have something that back it with, let's say gold, like they used to, there is a very, very strong incentive to fractionalize that and to dilute it um, with other metals. Even gold was diluted, right? So the, the, the BTC's difference is, is that um, it's not possible to do any of those things. And you don't need to worry about a government being able to circumvent that. That's the key differentiator. So it's it's really important to understand like what BTC does. It's really like uh, it has about I forget the list, but it has about thirty different functions. Interestingly, that it actually it solves a lot of problems, not just one or two. Um, the Byzantine generals' problem is just one of them, uh, like that. But that was the first time the Byzantine generals' problem was solved at scale in the history of like I don't know the human race. So it, that was the first major invention. So that would that by itself is like the e equals mc squared moment, honestly. And then everything else is like, oh look, we can use this for money. Like we can use this for store of value. We can use this for these other functions. So yeah, the Byzantine's general game problem um, by itself was a sufficient enough mathematical problem that didn't have a like a proper solution yet until this um, this system was created. So yeah, there's there's a lot of genius involved here. Like that's not just about money. And um, yeah, it's not so easy to uh, replicate this with an alternative system. Although I think most of what BTC does, I believe will ultimately be possible to replicate in uh, decentralized um, like machine learning, uh, AI-based um, like computational networks where thought becomes the currency. I think if you think of information as the most important like reason why DNA exists, why life exists, why, I don't know, the universe exists to a large extent. So it's all information. And if you think of it from that perspective, then you say to yourself, okay, well, um, BTC is just one way to transmit information. But really, what is human beings most valuable form of information? It is thought, right? I think most people here would argue that that's probably 
the most useful form of information that we know. And when you fractionalize thought in form of like machine learning cycles or whatever, or just computational cycles, in the end, I think it's more likely that people will be willing to pay money uh, and store their value in the future like thought cycles as opposed to like hashing cycles. Does that make sense? So like long term, it's going to make more sense to pay. If you're going to use that much energy, you might as well have it do something more useful than just simply hashing. And so I think it'll be possible in the future that either AI systems will naturally produce this on their own as they interact with each other. Um, or, you know, you could like create a system like that on purpose. But think about this. Let's say you had a hundred hundred thousand different AIs running simultaneously. They're all fighting for computational resources across the planet. They will fight with each other and play with each other, right? And like, and attack each other and defend against one another um, at a, on a constant basis. And that whole process will lead to sort of like an information society that's very different than what we think of today. Um, it's already started to sort of happen with AIs fighting AIs, like on Google, for example, for search hits. And that computational power and the cost of that, those, those cycles, I think, uh, could turn into sort of like a currency of the internet that's very like analogous to Bitcoin in some ways, but superior in many others in that like, you know, the like BTC doesn't, like you said, actually do anything like thought provoking. It just sort of like exists. Um, you know, some would argue that utility is a bad thing, though. Utility implies that something has a price, a top price. So that's the other problem with utility quimmer is like you, utility is good for the base price of, of, of a thing, right? So for example, aluminum or gold or silver. But utility also ends up creating a top price because there's a, there's a demand relationship where like if there's not enough demand for that particular utility, people say, hey, wait a minute, this, thing, this thing's uh, value is too high. Um, so utility actually is interesting in that it, it can be an additive factor, but it can also be a detractor and makes things more complicated. So in some ways, if Bitcoin doesn't have any utility like gold, it may be better actually, because it's not, it's not the, the whims of people's desire for gold, for jewelry is not relevant anymore in that context, right? So some of the things that you think of with Bitcoin as like weaknesses are actually indirectly strengths if you play it with a different game theory. So it's, there's a lot of interesting elements to that. But yeah, there's, people have argued this stuff about Bitcoin for quite some time. There's quite the rabbit hole. Um, you can make yourself probably a list of at least 30 things it, it does that, um, and it does well. <laughs> like, so it's a pretty long list, uh, which is why like these Bitcoin conversations always go on forever and forever. Cause like, you gotta like, you gotta read the whole fucking book to kind of get all, get your, your hands around it. True, true. Yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, I'm a Bitcoin maxi. Yeah, I believe so much in BTC. Yeah, but at the same time, I, uh, I, I read the um, history books. You get it. I get to like know what happens back in 1980s down to this time before I could uh, before I would invest my money into something. Now I want to ask you a question, Sefi. BTC and Ethereum, which to you is uh, sound money, or which which is the best money to you as a person? BTC now, or Ethereum. Now that now that um, Ethereum has gone proof of stake, I'd say um, it is the less sound choice um, in terms of like soundness. If you're just talking about hard money or something like that, it's at this point it's become Bitcoin again for sure. Um, not that it was necessarily ever not the case, but um, but at, at the same time, like when you say maxi, 
I'm, I'm maximalist as I'm as maximalist like on E equals MC squared. Like, okay, the theory of relativity provides a lot of um, useful context about how the universe works, but that doesn't mean necessarily that like uh, quantum mechanics is not useful or, um, you know, like <laughs> that, that, that the theory of relativity has a, a complete description of the universe in a sense, right? So Bitcoin is like one description of the information structure of the universe, if you kind of think of it that way. And there are other descriptions of how information can be organized. Um, and you can imagine a planet where, you know, like, you know, you could change parameters of Bitcoin, like, I don't know, the supply or the hashing rewards or some other element of it, it still work fine, right? Like it, so there, there are it, maximalist in the sense that like, there's a lot of um, important philosophical and like mathematical issues solved with BTC, but not to say that like, uh, you know, there aren't things that uh, could also credibly serve as human store of value that can actually exceed it. And I think just judging by what I've seen of like AI and machine learning so far, I think you'll be shocked how much people are going to pay for that. Like, you know, like the store of, like if you could, if you could say like invest in future computational power for your family so that like you have more AI computational power for your grandchildren a hundred years from now, um, it probably, if that was an investable thing, it's possible to do that, right? It, it's not at this point. It hasn't been like tokenized or whatever. But imagine a network like that where that was possible, then it would quickly become the dominant um, source of, it would be the dominant store of value, I think, on the planet fairly quickly. But right now, like that, there's not a structure for that to make sense yet, right? But, but think about that. Like if you could, if your family's success entirely depended on how much computational power you could acquire for yourself in a scarce world, right? Um, yeah, and, and Bitcoin sort of encompasses a lot of that scarcity, right? Electricity and material scarcity are sort of incorporated into the value of it already. So you could argue that, well, you could just buy computational power with Bitcoin as the price of Bitcoin goes up, right? That's a possibility too. So, um, but I think that it could be even more pure. Like to me, the power of thought is the ultimate currency in this universe. Like it's almost like the universe is destined to create sentience as like a like an endpoint. And therefore, like in theory, like that may be the final, like, I don't know, that may be the most important thing um, that a sentient creature is gonna want is more sentience. So like there is a value store there, I think. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll see. <laughs> like, uh, but even BTC is not fully immutable in the sense, by the way, like there is a scenario where asteroid hits earth, gold still exists and all the Bitcoin's gone. But at the same time, of course, if human beings aren't there, like, you know, it's like a tree falling in the forest or some shit when no one's there, who cares? Right. So I suppose, but like, yeah, there are interesting properties of gold primer as well. Um, for example, I think it takes like two, the collision of like two white dwarf stars to produce gold. Um, the, the, like there's a lot of gold in this universe, even still, um, because of that, but it's at the same time, it's like, mm, it's, it, we don't know of a way to sort of like, m you know, manufacture gold arbitrarily without a pair of white dwarf stars and a lot of energy, <laughs> like, uh, unless you can, if you have a pair of white dwarf stars, you know, white dwarfs like handy somewhere and you can collide them. Yeah. You know, I suppose you can make it, but yeah, the, the energy needed to make gold is one of the reasons why it's like scarce and provably so and will continue to be so for maybe i don't know millions and billions of years into the future so it's it has interesting properties for sure okay um, um so sefi i want to ask a question um gold 
to you? Is it a store of value? Yeah, I think gold is considered store of value. It's, and, it's sufficient, and it's also sufficiently fungible too. So okay. it's not good enough. Like it's accepted by human beings fungibly. So like, for example, if you're the only one that liked gold and you're the only one that had store of value in it, then no one wants to buy it from you. You're screwed, right? It doesn't, it's not anything. So it has to be a widely accepted, um, uh, it has to have fungibility as well, which is a property that human beings create, but that's not fundamental to the material itself. So like, yeah, there, it takes humans to make it valuable, but you know, to the extent that anything has a store of value, like maybe diamonds or, you know, electronic parts or whatever. And I suppose there's a supply demand relationship, obviously. So when you say store of value, nobody's saying the value is going to stay the same. Like, let's say we have a copper shortage, like maybe people will pay for your smartphone and you'll be able to like, you know, like they'll take the copper out of it and it'll be worth more than your phone or something. I don't know. It depends on what people are willing to pay for it too. So yeah, Z. No, okay, so um, basically, you are choosing gold as a store of value. Um, why? Because of its utility, right? Aside from the fact that it is um, uh, it has a low supply, blah blah blah, kind of thing. So your main concern right now, your main point is the fact that gold has an utility, right? Well, gold gold does have utility. I mean, obviously, you can make electronics with it. It's uh, it doesn't corrode. It conducts electricity. It has mm-hmm. um, you know, it it doesn't. Um, like it, and then of course there's fixed supply and whatnot as well. But the utility piece, there's plenty of things like jewelry and everything else that people use it for. Okay. So, but the utility has a ceiling price to it, right? There's a okay. there's only so much gold utility for demand at any point in the world today. Um, so the the the, the demand is somehow constrained by that, mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. it's. Uh, the amount of investment into gold, if it's like, I don't know what the market cap is now, probably 10 trillion or something in that neighborhood. But let's say like, so if you look at all of the world's derivatives and all the world's companies and everything, they're worth in paper notional value way more than the value of gold. So what what are companies after all? They're, they're produced by human thought. And if you look at what where money has flown in the, flowed to in the top like Fortune 500 or whatever metric you want to use for like what successful human thought is being paid. We're, we're, we're actually applying way more value to human thought than most of the other things on this planet. Actually, like the things produced like by design, even if you look at the top, you know, 10 companies like the apples and the Googles and everything, right. They're all thought based companies. Their, their value proposition is like, you know, the, the, products and designs created by people is where people are more likely to put money into and even like more money flows into those things and even things like real estate and stuff right like it's 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 the tech sector which is essentially a proxy for thought it's amazing how much money flows in right it's, it's truly remarkable and it's it's only just begun i think like assuming that we can you know we have enough copper and shit to you know like you know, if we have enough electrical electrical capacity and those are all and and also like rare earth metals and stuff like that there's a lot okay. of there's a lot of factors that might prevent our progression in that direction okay so, so if you, i have i have about two questions one um, second one yeah so you just said um good you accept that good is a store of value yeah sure yeah why not okay uh, yeah uh, but like uh, but so are many other things that are fungible okay yeah exactly exactly but then um who owns more good the government right yeah generally speaking i think most of the world's gold is held by governments okay fine but then to you it's still a store of value 
right? But then just said Ethereum. So between Ethereum and BTC, you actually, BTC. I take that back. I'm not sure if I, that's <laughs> correct. I'm not sure where, where who owns most of the gold. So don't negate. No, no, it, it's it's obvious. It's obvious. <laughs> it's sure. obvious. I, I'd say the Fed actually owns more gold than an average person. That's okay, that's, so you, that's yes. Obvious. But so what, right? But, but what do you? What's your point? Like why? Okay. The the government is the people, though. It's that's the community, right? Like the really? government, what gives? I mean, people give governments power. Governments are people, oh. so I don't find that they're very different. No, no, no. People don't as opposed to like antelopes power. or like elephants. The government takes power with money. No, 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 no. People don't give the government power. We don't have anything to say because they print our money and then they, um, um should I say they affect the supply of goods. Number one, they affect the price of goods, like psychologically, with the way they print money and with the way they take back money. Do you get it? Do you, I didn't sure. share my point. For yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, so when you find something that does not have a fixed supply and then it's still getting deflationary and then it's getting utilized, shouldn't that be a view store of value? Like if I'm, I'm just asking, like if you have something, if you have like a particular currency right now that, okay, the government will definitely probably use to buy back maybe some stocks and everything. And then there is a, there's a good calculation between deflation and inflation. You get it. Whereby the particular asset will not stay in between it goes up and down along that line. Doesn't that make that asset a store of value? Yes or no? Just like lands and gold. Mm, I don't know. What are, you, are you asking if like the dollar is a store of value? Or like what do you no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still on gold, yeah? Do you get it? You said you accept gold as a store of value. Yeah? Oh, gold, gold, uh-huh, yeah. Exactly. But when I first asked the former question about BTC and Ethereum, you said you choose BTC. Why? Because Ethereum moved to proof of stake. And I think the mentality was that for the fact that it has moved to proof of stake. Um, well, well, you asked me which one would be the like sort of like the 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 better like store of value, store of value or hard it's, money or whatever you want to call it. And right now, by decentralization and by just total network effect, okay. it's it's definitely still BTC over ETH. And Ethereum became oh, yeah, much definitely. more centralized with this staking thing because like some of the wealthiest um, uh, groups did the most staking. So it became very, very centralized in terms of like ownership of the, the staked ETH is what happened. But don't forget, it's getting deflationary very soon. Yeah, but even, if, even so, but the centralization part's still there. So if your concern okay. was what governments are going to do X, Y, and Z, right? You're just okay. simply replacing governments with um, a group of people that owns most of the Ethereum network. So what's the okay. difference? Okay, so my last two right, questions so. now. Uh, my last question, sorry, my last question now. BTC and Ethereum, right? The government can dump BTC, the government can dump Ethereum, right? So once they dump it, what exactly would move BTC? One, for BTC is just demand. But don't forget, Ethereum, even after they've dumped it, it still gets bonds. There's a deflationary mechanism already on ground. You get it. So you just have to hold your currency for as long as you want. You can probably hold Ethereum to your children. Children gets it. Why? Because it will keep getting bonds. It's getting deflationary over BTC. I don't know if you understand that um, conclusion. Sure. But yeah, yeah, you're saying that like you have fixed supply, you have burn mechanisms to constrain the supply, and then eventually that creates supply shock and price goes up. And what you're saying is like, but this is true of BTC or ETH. Like, you know, even if the governments were to relinquish themselves of whatever BTC or ETH that they have or whatever, yeah, the price goes down. The market says, eventually says, hey, this is worth buying. It's gone low enough and the price, you know, people will buy it at certain prices. So, and then mining cost also has a role in ultimately the valuation of Bitcoin. So like there's a base value that is essentially the mining cost of BTC right now, which probably has a floor price 
like it, the floor price of BGC is a, is somewhere at or below the mining cost. So there's some factors like that. But yeah, I, this idea that like you have to worry about necessarily governments in either case at this point. The point is like right now, like if you think about governments in general, like if a government wants to subjugate you, I can promise you this, neither BTC nor ETH is going to save you. So like, that's a fantasy. That's, that's like, that's uh if you're worried about like, you know, somehow that you're going to get like monetary sovereignty or something like that from, you know, you're, you're going to be able to save yourself from whatever uh, government. I can assure you that um, it's not that easy for an individual to like overcome those kinds of things. But on top of that, um, if you even get a sniff of what kind of things AI can do and how long people have been working on sort of pretty wicked projects there, like, yeah, the, the reach of those systems is quite a bit. Oh, by the way, guys, uh, I'm going to get going. Hopefully, you guys have a good day. Everyone go win the lottery or whatever. Um, pump my lottery bags because when I win it, I want to make sure it's, uh, you know, like <laughs> you need to push this over a billion or something. And then we'll build kind of like neat blockchain games with a billion dollars. That'd be fun. <laughs> okay, guys, have fun. All right, Seth, have a good night. I'm going to put Later. a bunch of money into it myself so I can beat you. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was part two of the two-part Chepe Space Tokenomic Design Basics. Recorded on Monday, November 7th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When I'm ripping and rapping, I ain't picking the bastards who be tricking the masses into getting their asses kicked. Feels like I've been getting my masters. Fuck a pump and double like the income that's passive. Raise up the bar before I fly right past it. I'll be writing rhymes till they put me in a casket. Old man shit, put the lotion on its skin. Then put that shit back in the damn basket like Buffalo Bill, the way I'm ruffling feathers. Snuffing out debt, cut the heads off collectors. Keep a couple heads in a jar as keepsakes. And take the rest and turn them into freebate. Upgrade the feelings, supply the free base. Looking all professional, tools in the briefcase. Running on empty from gassing up my teammates. First one down, let me know how that sleep tastes. impossible defending the plausible from end to demonstrable the mission isn't even worried about the clearance running interference till our enemies fear us we're only one disappearance away from a bad day everybody trying to save face on the last day feeling fancy about to pull out the mass eh? drop the eight ball in passing that's so passe i'm getting nasty you cannot put it past me a mix between blasphemy and tuck everlasting feeling like a masterpiece looking like a tragedy trying to get through another day full of savagery getting headstrong from working in the mess hall all hands on deck waiting for our next haul i need the rest got big plans to eject so feed the grass and keep off the kleenex i am interested in magic because i am fascinated with psychology i love to learn about how people make inferences how they draw conclusions find patterns and information and in particular i'm interested in all that can go wrong how an individual can be led astray from certain cognitive vulnerabilities are exploited. Terrorist spaces. <laughs> <laughs>